Today we're talking to Tom Lipchot, who is a consultant data scientist at Autumn, a Manchester-based data science consultancy. Tom got his graduate diploma in economics from Birkbeck College, University of London, his Master of Science in Applied Statistics and Operational Research from Salford University, and his Master of Philosophy in Philosophy from the University of Edinburgh. Since then, he's held several posts as a statistician before becoming a senior data scientist at the Christie NHS Foundation Trust, then on to be a senior data scientist at Peak AI and the head of data science there until earlier this year when he founded his own consultancy. And for those who don't know, what does Autumn do? Um, Autumn does data science really for, for, for companies. So um, yeah, the main, mainly it's just me doing bits of consultancy and contract work. So um, you, I guess coming, I usually work with companies who don't know much about data science or AI, who've got some um, idea that they you know, need to or could be doing more with it, and I will come and, and help them. And that, I guess, involves often initially kind of solving a problem for them, but then trying to help them to sort of incorporate data science within their organization so you know through helping them to build an organization and training and developing staff and you know the idea being that i can kind of leave and they'll be self-sufficient at, right. at the end of it um uh yeah so that's that's basically what i do awesome yeah. thanks um so what do you do day to day um Mostly at the moment doing sort of coding and analysis projects using um, R and Python. I've been using Python more and more lately actually. So um, various bits of machine learning, your work trying to understand bits of data, trying to make APIs that can solve people's problems. Um, that's probably about, you know, two to three days of the week. And then I do, you know, I have to do various bits of, I guess, you know, going and meeting and speaking to people, which is the, is, is the other. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. 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 And, and um, at the moment I'm doing, I'm kind of helping Arctic Shores who we're at at the moment um, to build their data science team. So that involves kind of uh, training and mentoring the, the data scientists there. Okay. Um, which I'm quite enjoying. How many do they have right now? Um, well, it depends how you count them, but two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, nice. A, a team of two that's kind of moving from other roles into data science. Okay. Yeah. So, do you switch between Python and R depending on like which one has the best tools for the job that you need to do? Yeah. I mean, historically, I've always used. Are really um, up until the last well maybe a couple of years and and but I've started using Python a bit more where it seems a good tool for the job and the project I'm doing at the moment I've kind of just decided I'm going to do it all in Python mm. because it forces me to get better at Python basically but um, yeah so and, and I think that there's certain 
types of problem where it's going to where you, where the output is going to be something you know that is part of a website say that's going to have what be called in production and have to you know scale and whatnot those kind of things are a bit more pythony than 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 are right yeah. yeah like even just with gcp like a lot of the code that you can you can use java go or python yeah but there's no there's nothing not an, an r yeah yeah option. similar on it on aws when you yeah if you want to build an api or something mm. it's much easier to do it in python than, than in r you have to kind of force it into, right. in, into working with r it can be done but it's yeah it's not as easy yeah you seem to have done everything uh, in the stats and machine learning world, Bayesian inference, forecasting, multiple regression, recommendation systems. Um, what is your favorite algorithm or type of problem to solve? And what do you like about it? Um, I quite, like, I guess the, re the reason I've done a lot of things is partly because I've just listed a lot of things on LinkedIn. Yeah, of <laughs> but I think also I, 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 the, the, <laughs> the type of thing that I like doing is learning a new thing, <laughs> really. and. Um, and I guess learning a new technique, but actually then solving a problem with it in a way that works. Right. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I've kind of, I've, you know, I've done loads of data science projects over the years, and maybe a small proportion of them have actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's reassuring for the rest but, of us. But those, you know, those ones that work are, you know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're actually, you know, I don't know, you go and read shut up about something and it's complicated and you don't understand it and then you just kind of wade your way through a paper and eventually get to understanding it. And then finally apply it and it works. It's yeah. like, yes. <laughs> and, and yeah, there's been, you know, probably about a handful of times that's really happened. And, and yeah, probably those bits are, are my favorites. Um, I guess, you know, I, I, one of the first things when that happened was probably in each, in each job I've worked in, there's been one or two things like that that have kind of ha happened at the, you often early on in the job when you're still kind of really enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. about it. Um, you know, um, and so often you have a bit more time because they don't really know what to do with you. Yet. <laughs> and so, and, and, and at that point, and at that point, you can go off and, and kind of learn something. And, and I, I think that is quite a good you know tip for people. But if you're new in a job and they don't know what to do with you yet, just you know, do something on your own, yeah. <laughs> on your own back, and, and, you know, so, like, I worked d doing um, hierarchical Bayesian modelling um, in the, one of my first jobs and pricing analytics, and I kind of just started messing around with it, and then, you know, after a while of doing it, I realised that the, the model that was producing was sort of far superior to the one they currently had, and it you know it took me probably I don't know three months to make it all work, but in the end it kind of got there, and you you know you could get these elasticities out of the model, which would predict the relationship between price and um, sales of petrol, basically. Right. Um, and yeah, and the, the, that technique that I've used in lots of different <laughs> in places ever since. <laughs> but then I think 
then uh, you know in other jobs I've always tried tried new things I guess um, so like the, yeah can you kind of give us an idea how that process will start like in a new job mm. so you start a new job someone's obviously hired you because they think data science is the next yeah. thing and yeah as I think we've all, lots of people out there will have been in a similar situation where I think people think data science is a great job, but then they don't know what to actually do with you on day one. Yeah. So kind of what did it look like to you if you go from, okay, I've got some time, I've got, I know this problem space, I know, I've read this paper that's called, yeah. how did it go to get to? I think know, I would tell something that you're particularly proud of. Yeah, I think often just ignoring what people ask you to do. <laughs> 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 but just, you know, so if, it, you know, ra rather than kind of waiting around for the people to install the right software for you, just do it yourself somehow and, you know, work around things. And Because that's, you know, kind of, when you're new in an organisation, there are lots of barriers to you doing the thing that you want to do that you don't know how to get around yet because <laughs> you haven't been there long enough. So you kind of just have to, you know, bend, <laughs> bend what's uh, allowed in order to, to get to, to do interesting things. And often the people, you know, your manager might not understand what is possible. And so because of that, you have to just muck around and make things work. And, you know, I think working at Peak at saw that, you know, as the head of data science at Peak, the, the, the people who did really well were the people who came in and just did stuff on mm -hmm. off their own back when they weren't, you know, that they were just interested in. It's kind of like hobby projects on the side. And often those things were the things that went on and became really valuable. Um, things that you just did you know, kind of for fun, or because you were interested in them, yeah. and just but pursuing them and trying to work out how how they'll actually solve the problem. It's good, it's good as well to then have some output at the end that looks cool, because <laughs> then you can go and show it to people, and you know, and, and then the, you know, there's a fair amount of marketing and sales of yourself within an organisation yeah, that you have yeah. to do to be successful. I think. Um, uh, and yeah, it's having, I guess, the confidence to do those sorts of things. Yeah, I think it's definitely a confidence piece. I've, I've yeah. noticed that kind of thing in, um, not necessarily in the data science world, but in other SMEs, when it's, there's enough there's enough leeway that people aren't always watching your every move. Yeah. It's clear enough how you can do something to impact the business. Yeah. People who have the confidence and kind of group together and kind of we're going to do this and then yeah. there's not enough time for someone to say oh you shouldn't have done that because yes. it's look at what this valuable yeah. thing built yeah and I think also having the um, management and and sort of supervision of pe people who are give you a bit of leeway <laughs> you know they might not completely understand what you're doing but if they're like you, you know they just sort of give you a bit of time to, to try they, they things out. They can trust out. you to, yeah. to do what, they, what you think is the right yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but which doesn't always happen. Either. No, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, it, it is one of the nice things about working in SMEs and that yeah. you often get the flexibility to, to do that, whereas in sometimes larger organisations there's more bureaucracy. Yeah, and yeah. much bigger hurdles and barriers. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know, I think for, for the same... Reasons, for the place, like I worked in AstraZeneca and there, 
you know, you, you could still, you had to work out how to kind of play the game a bit more, you know, to marshal resources and make things happen is, is more complicated. But if you can work out those rules, then yeah. it's, then actually you can do quite a lot of things because there are lots of resources. In yeah. You need to learn how to use them. Yes. Yeah. They were just, it's, it's tricky, I guess. You can palm the job wherever you are. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, although, yeah, yeah, I guess now, now I work on my own, it's quite nice, <laughs> you know, I don't, I just do, I just get up and do what I want. Got <laughs> to worry more about the resources though. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, yeah. I feel like, so, <clears throat> if you're doing your own, uh, like, side projects or hobby projects, mm. the risk of failure isn't, isn't as high. Yes. So... And people should be allowed to fail anyway, because um, that's just how data science works. And yeah. You said yourself, yeah. not <laughs> most of your projects, I guess, didn't succeed the way you wanted them to. Um, and and yeah, I think there's a lot of there's there's the risk that people feel like they have to achieve and succeed in every single project they do, and that's just not it's just not how science works. Yeah, and I think that's the. Um that is one of the dangers of trying to treat data science like and like engineering. You, you know, right. so treat, treating you know within this kind of agile framework where you have features and stories and you try and break it all down right at the start until exactly what you're going to get out the end of it. And it doesn't tend to work like that because it's it's generally research or you know or, or exploratory or you you work out where you're going as you go <laughs> rather than you know it, it being designed from the start I guess. yeah it's an iterative process isn't yeah. it oftentimes yeah um, do you have a preferred way of working that is yeah I guess I don't know like structured that people might be able to read about more about that isn't agile because it's nothing I, I can answer that. <laughs> yeah no, not really I mean at loose the organized chaos, <laughs> you know, but but, but with but, but but with but with I guess you know with goals that you're working yeah, towards. Yeah. You know, as long as long as long as you're, you know, I guess freedom to do the job the way that you want to do it, but clearly defined goals that mm-hmm. make sense, and you know that that combinate with a bit of pressure, because yeah. you know, otherwise you don't get that. So yeah, those those things you know it's not really a system but yeah i think if you you know if you get if you get if you recruit kind of smart people and give them freedom then you get good results really um yeah freedom and a, and a goal and a clear objective yeah no i think that's pretty key one of the things that i've worked with in the past and again i wouldn't I wouldn't call it a system as such, more to organise chaos, like you said, is we've got a goal we want to achieve, and this is the objective that we think is the way to do it. And yeah. we're going to try and, we, can, we know we can, um, we know we can achieve the objective, we think the objective will lead to the goal. Yeah. Which is kind of, and then we can kind of break it down a little yeah. bit more agile, yeah. but you never really know what's going to happen. Yes. And again, chaos and choose. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I think it, you know a certain amount of chaos is good in, in mm. organisations. I think, and you know, it, it, um, if you try and control everything too much, it all goes. It doesn't work mm. usually. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. your mention of goals is really important because, and, and keep referring back to the goals because so many times I've started on a project and then you know I have to keep iterating to try and like try different things to try and achieve the goal, but I don't res- I don't refer back to the goal. So mm. then with every new iteration, I take a it's so easy to take a tiny step away from the goal at each time. But those are tiny steps. So by the time you get to the end, you realise you're completely doing something different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, which is fine if it's your own like hobby project. Yes. But when you're at work, that's not that's not ideal. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so like referring back to the goal and you know regularly can help you like just stay on track and make sure that your your different approach to a problem is still gonna is still you know to try and solve that in line with that goal. Yeah, but I think also got the having some flexibility on the goal because because yeah, well, okay. you know because often you set you set some goal at the start that I don't know the person who's asked you to do it is set and then you realize that's not really you know achieving that that goal won't solve their problem right. or yeah. you, you, yeah. you know that spending you have to spend quite a lot of time specifying the objectives up front right. <laughs> and, and working very closely with the you know, whoever owns the problem to, to get the, the objectives right. And I think that's I think that's the single hardest thing in data science. <laughs> that, that, that you know, trying to work out try, trying to translate some businessy problem into a mathsy problem. Yeah. It really is 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 the the hard thing. And and yeah, not letting it go off in all sorts of different directions. Right. Especially when now they want to throw AI or machine learning at every problem. It's like that's not. Yeah. That's not. It's not a de- There's no need to use machine learning for yeah. that problem. Yeah. There's a much simpler approach for that. So, yeah, defining those goals and objectives is really, really hard and yeah, super important. Yeah, because it because like machine learning is really good at solving very tightly defined problems, but awful at. <laughs> everything else really. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know it creates loads of more work and, and overheads in some ways and yeah it's not not very good for solving lots of problems but, yeah. but sometimes it's, it's really good yeah well yeah we love we love data science <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah since starting your company you've been giving loads of talks um, so where have you been presenting and what have you been talking about um, what have I been doing? So I, I, I've been giving a, a few talks recently, um, which have be, it's kind of been introductions to, to data science and machine learning in various ways. And, 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 and I guess the... From a pa- practitioner perspective no, or from a business no, perspective? From a, from a business perspective, really. So I guess my, my, the intended audience is generally, you know, not like the people who come to Pi Data Manchester or Mankimel or, or, you know, data science specific meetups. It's people, you know, other people who don't, you know, don't know much about um, data science or machine learning, but think it's interesting <laughs> and, and, and trying to, um, I guess, meet, you know, meet those people and try and, you know, educate them a bit or, or give them some tips on, on kind of what data science and machine learning is at a very kind of basic level and uh, and when you might use it. Right. Um, I spoke at the, um, there's a meetup that uh, um, is in Chester, 
um, what's it called, Chester Data Analytics Meetup. Um, and I spoke at the Barclays AI Eagles Labs event. AI Frenzy, AI Keynote Eagles Frenzy. <laughs> um, which, uh, um, which is, is, I think they run all over the country, but there's one, a new one in Manchester. And I think there's one in Sheffield the day of my recording. Right, okay. Which, yeah, that's later than. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that, yeah, it's been going in Cambridge for quite a long time, I think. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's fairly new up here. Yeah. Um, and then there was a, I'm speaking at an event um, called Crap Talks, mm. which I've been to um, once, I think. Um, which, what does crap stand for? It stands for something like. Um, conversion rate analytics and product. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's been I think that's been going in London for a while, but has recently moved. I think moved up to Manchester. It was really good actually. The last time they they have, I think they have they call it three talks and a speaker or something like that, and they get they have three kind of shortish technicalish talks, um, and then. But at the end, they get kind of a guest speaker who speaks about something completely different, you know, off topic. There was this guy who had written some sort of symphony based on how he how he viewed the colours of the lines of the London Underground because <laughs> he had wow. synesthesia. Synesthes yeah. <laughs> right. But that that was interesting. So yeah, it's good. It's a good event. Huh. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to go down for that one. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a good start. I should make an, I know yeah. That. yeah, quite a mix of people from all sorts of different backgrounds and yeah. things. So. It's interesting uh, meeting other people from, you know, Tamarin Way is interesting, people from other, other areas of yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's all these other communities that are kind of going on in parallel to, yeah. to, to your ones. Yeah. And did you also present or, or attend maybe the. Um, is it the Data Science Festival that happens in Edinburgh? Oh yeah, I went. Yeah, I went. I went up to that um, last. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't talking at that. But I went up to it. I wrote a post on my blog about it. Just kind of um, outlining. That was, that was a good event. There were some interesting speakers at it. Um, I was I'm actually, I'm going. I never ended up going in the end. Yeah, so. yeah, it was good. Uh, it was like they, they had lots of different events, and I'm actually, I'm going up to Edinburgh in um, October actually to speak at. Um, I don't know what it is. Well, I know a lot of it. <laughs> it is a stand-up comedy data event. What? <laughs> what is this? And, and, and they wanted to get people who had worked in healthcare, who were working on data science stuff, to come and do like a five minute stand up comedy set. And they're going to train us to become stand up comedians. Oh, no way! And we're going to yeah. do a, a, a night at the Stand Comedy Club in, in Edinburgh in October. Wow. Which I'm, which I'm Quite terrified about, but <laughs> <laughs> also quite excited about. Yeah, I think it will be fun. So how did you get involved with that then? I just somebody had put it. So I, I it was the it's organised by the Data Lab who run that event mm. that I was up in, in Manchester, and that they put a post on their blog or something saying asking for people. I volunteered. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I had actually decided a few months earlier that I wanted to try. 
I heard somebody speaking who said that they thought everyone should try stand-up comedy once in their in their lives mm. as, a, as, a, as an experience. And so I thought that would be a fun thing to do. Well, yeah. it certainly makes science more accessible. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Whether it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Python now. Um, are there any libraries um, that you rely on that you love, you can't do without? Um, or, you know, what's in your, what's in your toolbox? Um, I guess I, I, in R I, um, I use the Tidyverse a lot, which is, you know, kind of standard now within R. That's made a massive change to how usable R is. Um, Dplyr in particular is a fantastic package far superior to pandas in, <laughs> in my short experience of using pandas. Well, I mean, you've, you've, you've used both, I guess, so... <laughs> Panda, pandas is based on d players. So yeah, 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 they are yeah. very closely related. I know um, Hadley Wickham and Wes McKinney work yeah. closely together. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, yeah. It's always interesting to hear a comparison. So. <laughs> And is it, are, are, it's just very, it's very usable. Yeah. Um, I guess in terms of things that I, you know, are a bit less well known in R, um, I've done a, I've done quite a lot of work on Bayesian, Bayesian hierarchical modelling, um, which, which I explain a bit about what, yeah, that, what that is. So it's um, please remind me so what I guess, that is. So I get uh, um. <laughs> If you think of like a linear regression as being a, a, a you know a kind of simple-ish model where you're looking at the you know relationship between two or many variables, uh, uh, in that you're usually estimating some beta coefficient, which is like your the 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 ver the, co the coefficient that you're trying to estimate within a model. In Bayesian modeling, you don't just estimate that coefficient, you estimate the probability distribution of that coefficient. Right. So, so um, that allows you to do quite a lot more things with that around um, making decisions based on probabilities. So, um, but what Bayesian hierarchical modeling is a kind of step on, on top of that, which, um, is very good at kind of um, modeling in cases where you've got lots of small, low-level units and you want to combine them in some way that you don't fully understand. So um, an example that uh, is quite has been you know a lot of research has been done on is, is states in 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 the United States. So Andrew Gelman is a researcher who's done lots of work on this. Um, his book Red State, Blue State, Rich State, Poor State speaks about this idea that in the 
um, pe people think that you tend to um, poor people tend to vote for Republicans and richer people tend to vote for Democrats, despite ostensibly the Democrats having better policies for poor poorer people than than Republican policies. But actually, when you and and that does that is the trend overall. So you tend to find that that you more poor people vote for Republicans than Democrats. But then if you look at, at an individual state level, so if you break it down to the individual states, you get trends, the, the trend is in the opposite direction. And the reason for that is, is because the poorer states tend to vote Republican more than, than richer states, if you see what I mean. So the, the trend is reversed when you break it down and combine all the data at hierarchical levels. Mm. I don't know if that's a very good thing. It's an example of Simpsons Paradox, I think? Yes, yes, it is an example of Simpsons Paradox. Um, but yeah, it can be solved by using hierarchical Bayesian modeling. Mm. And there's, lo there's lots of cool things you can do with um, combining data from lots of heterogeneous sources using it. Um, mm. But it's a, it's a bit of a pain to get to work, <laughs> and it, it's improved over. So, so there's a there's a package called BRMS, um, which um, Bayesian multi-level regression or something like that, and and that um, makes that's it an R package. Yeah, that's okay. an R package. <clears throat> that is a wrapper for Stan, which is a, a C plus plus library. Um, but BRMS makes it much easier to use STAM, so it's, it's made it's made Bayesian modeling much more easy. So it kind of just follows the standard way of modeling in R. So it's it's not much extra work, and you get all these great benefits at, at the end of it. Mm -hmm. uh, just on the note of uh, Bayesian statistical modeling, mm -hmm. um, if you're a Python user, then PyMC3 is um, a really useful library. Yeah. Um, and we should mention it because um, it's a non-focus sponsored project. Uh, I've used it before. It's very good. So I'm yeah, not an expert. Pi, it's also based on Stan, isn't it? Uh, uh, no, PyMC3 and Stan are do the same thing. They're, yeah. they're, they're an MCMC sampler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, both so of that them. That is chain one's cow. Oh, yeah. But both of them are a bit of a pain to use because you have to <laughs> you have to do quite a lot of setup uh, and specifying lots of different variables at the start before you model. Yeah, it's not um, as out of the box friendly, I guess. I, I've not used um, I've not used version uh, so I couldn't compare them. But PyMC three is much easier than PyMC two, and it uses um, Patsy, which is inspired, I think, by some of the stuff you were talking about about. Um, Using basically writing formulas as you would do in R. Okay. So why right. uh, model by factor? Right. Factor, okay. Uh, yeah. Etc. But I just want to no, no, add I've, that I've, because we love and focus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd like to um, have a go at that. Actually. Yeah, it's good. Um, yes. So uh, uh, yeah. R packages. There are there are many. I guess that's one of the great things about R is that, you know how how many good packages there there are for, for machine learning. I you know for smaller scale problems, I tend to use XGBoost, um, which is a gradient boosting decision tree package, which is available in lots of languages, um, and GLM Net, which is Elastic Net, 
regularized regression, yeah. um, which isn't isn't a very nice to use program, <laughs> but it, but it um, it works well. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for doing kind of yeah, yes, fairly um, straightforward machine learning problems. Mm. Um, Keras in R is now quite good actually. For mm. um, it used to be not very good, but it's been R Studio have built a package which me means that you can do neural nets quite quite successfully in R now. And I've been I've been doing also quite a bit lately some uh, integer programming and um, optima optimization stuff, um, and the LP solve package in R is quite good for that, but the API isn't very friendly, and the Google's OR tools have been using in Python, um, which is excellent um, for doing um, for doing things like routing optimization. So if you're solving traveling salesman problems, so if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to work, if you've got a bunch of trucks and you want to go and deliver things in an optimal fashion, um, that library is very good for that. What's integer programming? Um, so it is, it is, it's not really programming, um, but it is using <laughs> integers. So it's, 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 it's a type of optimization. So it's where you, um, you have some objective function, which is a sum of lots of things, and the the um, the variables that you can change in that objective function are are integers. So they're either um, typically they're either zero or one. So so and um, what it's used for is where you have to choose from a lot of options. So in in the traveling salesman problem. You, you, you set it up so that each each variable is a is is you traveling between say city A and city B so it's like an edge in a in a graph and and you have a zero if you make that trip and a one if you don't and you add all of these things up and and choose all your zeros and ones so as to minimize some cost function hmm. and so in integer programming is when when you have an optimization where integers are your input um, and it's useful for it's for lots of things like scheduling but also if you have to make decisions that are binary in some sense um, it's, it's it can be very effective um, and yeah people people don't use it very often but if it's it's one of those things where it can work really well if you've got it on the right right problem, um, mm. and, and there's yeah, there's loads of research on it, so it's kind of all solved basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. That was a, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> a quick note about the Elasticsearch yeah. uh, regularization. Um, Scikit-Learn also has lots of different regularization options for its logistic regression, including ElasticNet yeah. as well. So. Yeah. Just to put that out there. Yeah, generally scikit-learn is much better than ours. Really? Like, well, yeah, our, our machine learning universe is fragmented and horrible, really. <laughs> and there's been some effort to bring it all together in the tidy models ser series of packages, which are getting quite good, um, but they're not quite there yet. But tidy models is, is worth having a look at in R for an equivalent of scikit-learn. Oh, cool. Um, so we, we've seen and experienced lots of people get into data science through very different 
um, roots. Mm -hmm. um, so not everyone, actually really not many people at all come from a computer science background. Um, <clears throat> and we noticed that you did uh, economics and applied stats, which makes a lot of sense. Um, but you also did a uh, philosophy PhD. Uh, right? uh, master's, yeah. Master's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you find do you think that helps you in your work having done that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it. I think in my you know way of approaching problems, definitely. Mm. Um, I think, and and also, a, a, I guess there's a there's a lot of relevance in the kind of artificial intelligence debates in philosophy. So a lot of the philosophy I studied was kind of mental philosophy or philosophy of the mind and consciousness and, and those kind of things. And, and there's a lot of overlap between philosophy of mind and AI and cybernetics and all, that whole field is, some, is something I'm really interested in. And I don't, you know, it doesn't tend to come up in my work that much, but it's definitely something I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um, there's a guy, a professor at um, Edinburgh, who, who was one of my lecturers, Andy Clark, who um, writes a lot about the kind of um, the overlap between kind of cybernetics and, and philosophy and, and, and AI. And it's, yeah, it's a really interesting field. Um, but yeah, I, I, other than that, it's, yeah, I think that uh, it, it kind of gives you a way of approaching problems where you're open to all sorts of different solutions, yes, but, um, but yeah, and uh, other than that, it's fairly useless. <laughs> I, got, I got into dead science because there weren't many jobs in the philosophy industry. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a transferable skill, isn't yes. it? You can apply yes. problem solving to every part of your yes. um, yeah. professional life and yeah. non-professional life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so yeah, Autumn also does training and recruitment for data science staff. Mm. Um, what do you think are the major challenges faced by organisations when hiring data people? And you, I think you touched on a bit of that at the beginning of, of this podcast as well. Um, yeah, I think that the, the, the trouble with data science is that it's a very relatively new field. And lots of people want to get into it and lots of companies want to get into it. So people and companies want to get into it, but no, none of them have much experience in it. And so, and so there's a lot of confusion in all sorts of different di directions. And, and, but there's also lots of really smart people who are data scientists and are becoming data scientists. But I think the, the biggest challenge is giving those people an environment where they can succeed. And, and I think companies struggle to do this because they don't know what data science is, they don't know what sorts of problems it can solve, and they struggle to manage those people. So um, I think that I guess it, yeah, data science leadership to some extent is 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 lacking, and you know, to some extent that's what I'm providing for companies I, I work with. That will go in and help them to recruit people, but also to mentor them and and I guess be an advocate for them within the organisation to to explain what types of problems data science 
can solve, but also, and more importantly, what type of things it can't do. Because um, people th tend to think it's kind of like magic that <laughs> you can just solve everything using AI, which you know, which isn't the case. So I think that the the there isn't. I I don't think there's a major problem in in a lack of people or skills, but there is a, a there's a problem in in utilizing those effectively. I think, um, and getting value out of, out of your data scientists. I think a lot of it comes back to what you mentioned before about what is essentially communication, about understanding the problems, and both from the data scientist and the business perspective, and communicating it across all levels of the organisation that he needs yes. in order to succeed with a data science project. Yeah. And it's simple things, but it's skills people never talk about, people talk about learning regression on your networks, whatever, and it's communication. Yes, and I think yeah, communication and just mm, manipulation of organisations. <laughs> not 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 in a not in a not in a bad way, but but just in a way you're understanding how an organisation works mm. and how to make things happen within it. Or, you know, are um, and if you you know if you come from academia or or you know straight out of university you don't know how to do that because yeah, you haven't yeah. had to do it very much and, yeah. and it's and it's hard to teach because every organization's got their own weird ways of working yeah, you know, yeah. usually um all right so last question yeah um who do you admire from the tech community um i was thinking about this on the tram on the way here so i had i I, I don't know I don't know how you define the tech community, but I think that, that there there are people kind of who are sort of famous <laughs> who, who I admire, and then there are also some people um, you know less less famous. But I guess in in terms of people you know high profile people, I think that the like Google has just loads of great people, but not you know tend they tend to be the various engineers that are working in behind the scenes but like i mean um demi has has this the founder of um deep mind is you know, a genius and has just done amazing things in everything he's worked on since he was about 10 i think so yeah, he's sort of one of those people who you just kind of very kind of jealous of <laughs> <coughs> but, so, um, so less admiration and more just yeah. <laughs> jealousy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, he's 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 decided what he wants to do and done it with great success. Really. Mm. Um, uh, Jeff Dean, the engineer who works at Google, is is I think a great example of somebody who has been involved with just about everything successful that Google has done, but kind of in the background and, and leading it in one way or another. Um, like if you read if you read through all the kind of interesting papers that Google has published over the last 10 years, nearly all of them have got Jeff Dean's name in them somewhere. And he's kind of, he's, he's, I think he's just allowed a lot of things to happen at Google really successfully. Um, Hadley Wickham. The sort of our god. <laughs> it is. It, I've, I've kind of followed his career since he was, um, you know, like a PhD student, right? And he wrote GG Plot Two, and it was kind of just not very, you know, a fairly 
not very well-known package, and he's just become this kind of savior of R. Because, <laughs> but pre pre Hadley, there was you know things were bad, <laughs> and, and now you, you know now things are, are reasonably good, but, you know basically as a, as a result of his um, work. Um, uh, Hannah Fry, I like. I saw her speak at an event a couple of years ago, and I thought she was excellent. Just really kind of witty speaker and um she's a mathematician yeah she's a mathematician but she's she's done a lot of work on like tv and and like communicating mathematics stuff um but she's yeah she's a she's an academic mathematician um but she's written a written a book um which i've not read actually but i'd, I'd like to call algorithms to live by or something like that um and just is a really is a really engaging speaker on on maths and statistics um, uh, and yeah thank her um, in two philosophy people and Andy Clark and Carl Friston who are these kind of pioneers of um, this I won't go into it <laughs> this, this kind of um, philosophical theory of how the mind works which is transforming neuroscience and AI in various ways at the moment are definitely worth looking up, although they're virtually unreadable. <laughs> um, I guess um, local, like in Manchester, uh, one of the data scientists I've known for the longest, the first person I ever met who was called a data scientist was Martin Eastwood, who works at Boohoo. Mm. Um, who's he's quite quiet, but when you when when you get, he's very good at giving talks. And if you've ever seen him, he's, he's excellent. He he's done a lot of stuff on football, which I'm not really into, mm. but he speaks really well on it. And he and he, I think he's um, called um, Penalty Blog on Twitter. Yeah, I've read some of his um, blog about modelling uh, scores of football a few yeah, years ago. Yeah. Um, maybe have been using a form of hierarchical model, uh, Asian hierarchical model. Yeah, yeah. But he was really interested yeah. um, like really intuitive explanations. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. And then I guess uh, um, all of the data scientists at Peak who are, <laughs> you know, that are, they're an excellent bunch, re you know, really smart and I really enjoyed working with them. I guess in particular, Kaylee and Chris, um, Kayla Hayes and Chris Boddington, um, who are the team leaders there, who are, yeah, great, great people in many ways. Mm. Yeah, we're certainly big fans of Kayleigh. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't met Chris on Well, that's it. Thanks so much for letting us make you our guest on our podcast. <laughs> um, and for um, the space here in Arctic Shores. Uh, mm. in Manchester. It's been very, it's been a really interesting interview. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.